like where you are, but uh, here, I mean, it's windy enough, has the curtains blown just a little bit in the house, uh, it's that strong of a wind, but hey, that's okay, we'll, we'll still take it, uh, it's it's still acceptable to us, and uh, we will enjoy it for, for all it's worth, because it's a day, and it's a day in which we get to rejoice in the Lord, and so... That is what we will do, is rejoice in Him today. Uh, we are in Luke chapter 5, and uh, we're looking at Jesus calling His first disciples. Uh, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows, who follows. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. Uh, a disciple is someone who follows their master. 
uh, and becomes like their master. And uh, so for us to be disciples, it's to be followers of Jesus. You know, we can have the conversation about, is there a difference between a Christian and a follower? You know, there's there's a lot of aspect of conversation that can get kind of dicey, and we could have a real debate. I mean, I, I could have three or four different people in a room here have a panel discussion on a question of, can you be a Christian and not be a disciple? Uh, I tend to think the Jesus definition would say no. Uh, if you're not following Jesus, are you really a Christian? Uh, there, I had a conversation about the prayer with somebody yesterday, uh, maybe the day before. You know, is just praying the prayer enough? The sinner's prayer. I think the sinner's prayer can be a helpful tool, is a, a, a place to point and say, well, at that juncture is when I gave my life to Christ. But friend, if you pray the prayer, but nothing changes in your life, if you pray the prayer, if there even is such a thing, actually, the Bible doesn't tell us to pray a prayer. The Bible tells us to repent. The Bible tells us to turn to Christ. The, the Bible tells us to receive him, to believe in him. The Bible tells us to trust in him. Jesus invites people to walk after him. Uh, to follow him, to become like him. That is what it means to be Christian. Uh, and yet there are lots of iterations of Christianity in our day. And I think we have to go back to the Bible and say, what's the Bible say? Uh, we're called to be not just Christians, but to be disciples, followers, whose lives are imprinted by Jesus, whose lives are impacted by Jesus, uh, whose lives are mutated by Jesus. Now, mutated as opposed to immutable it means unchanging, but we are to be mutable. We are to be changed into the image and likeness of Christ. Yet Jesus meets people where they are. And so where, wherever, oh, and I love it, uh, looking at the comment over here real fast. I love it. Stephen Stephanus. Uh, he's calling me Jimus. I like it. Um, Helenus. How's that? Helenus. We got it. So, Walturus. Um, we're just having a little bit of fun in the comments section here this morning. And, uh, for those wondering what I'm talking about, I'm just, I'm just noticing the, the, the comments. And, and so Walter, all of a sudden, he's asking the question, uh, and here's the question, is it conversion versus sanctification? That's the question that, that he is asking. And, uh, well, you know, let's just start with the first question, conversion. What about just conversion? Is it, is it possible that there are people who pray a sinner's prayer who aren't converted, uh, who are not regenerated, who... Maybe uh, you know, or moved in a moment uh, to 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 say something. They get up from that moment, walk away from that moment, and never think of it again, and just say, "Well, I prayed the prayer. I'm going to heaven someday." Is that enough? Is that real faith? Uh, that that's the question. So, I one of the things I I do challenge people with is, "Do you know you're converted? Do you know that you are actually?" Save now. I I know that I am, and, and so people say, "Well, you're causing people to doubt their salvation." Well, uh, if if you know that you're seeking to walk with Jesus, you don't need to doubt your salvation. 
But if you prayed a prayer at some point in history and have never given Jesus another thought again, you need to doubt your salvation. Uh, it, it isn't about works. It isn't about are you good enough. It isn't about are you changing enough. It isn't about, it, it, it's about, I believe a converted person, this is my own belief, but I, I believe a converted person, it's not that they're instantaneously of a lot changed into you know somebody different than who they were, but what changes is their values. What changes is the the, the pursuit, the direction of their life. That's what changes, and and so they become a a follower of Jesus. Now, I I understand that there are people who uh, immerse themselves into the study of Scripture and. Uh, immerse themselves in wanting to to walk with Jesus and to know Jesus and to enjoy Jesus. And there are others who are kind of warming up in that idea. But they're warming up at least. They're not just, oh, I prayed a prayer and went on my merry way with my life and did what I wanted to do. And, and if they're not interested in the Bible, if they're not interested in Jesus, if they're not interested in spiritual growth, if they're not interested in, in, in some measure, then, yes, I would say uh, uh, you need to evaluate whether you are in the faith. And this is hard stuff a little bit for some people. It isn't where I intended to go here looking into Luke chapter 5 this morning. But um, I think that there are people, as Walter in the comments has, has said, have just think, oh, they purchased life insurance. They prayed the prayer. They're good for heaven now. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Uh, is praying the prayer part? I, I think if it's a legitimate, sincere, honest, heartfelt prayer that uh, leads to life change and leads to a, a new direction in life that, that, that indicates some form of repentance, absolutely. But if it's just, okay, I prayed to get you off my back. And there's a lot of that. And that, that's where I, I'm more of a proponent, you know, to let people come to the point where they want Jesus then we're trying to convince them. Let the Holy Spirit internally convince people to become followers of Jesus. I think we're going to be very surprised in heaven someday, friends. I think we're going to be surprised at the people whom we don't see there. People we thought, oh, well, they were they were a Christian. Well, you know, my my child, my grandmother Matilda, my you know. Uh, my grandchildren, you know, they, they went to Camp Fairhaven one time and had a great experience, but then there's no life change. I think we're going to be praying for life. Jesus is looking not for people to just be Christians. You read through the gospel accounts, he's asking people to follow him. That's what he's at. Now, some of the people that he touched and healed and did things for, some of them went on their merry way. They still got their healing, but they went on their merry way and didn't return. Others returned. He has told us he's looking for followers. And part of the message he gave to the disciples was a message of repentance, to turn from self to turn to God. Now, anyway, I, I, let me get us into the text for today. Because one of the other things I, I want to underscore is that Jesus does meet people where they are. Some people think, well, I've got to clean up my act. I, I've got to give up my drinking. I've got to give up my smoking. I've got to give up my chewing. I've got to give up my, well, anyway, you fill in the blanks. And no, um, 
just come to Jesus. He's going to change you. I, I didn't give up mar- marijuana uh, before I came to Jesus. I, I didn't give up uh, alcohol before I came to Jesus. I didn't give up bad language before I came to Jesus. I didn't give up sexual perversion before I came to Jesus. I, I didn't give up. No, I, I came to Jesus and then everything changed because I invited him in and he did a house cleaning in my life. Now, I, I still track in dirt. Okay. You ever do that in your house? You know, go outside and you walk through the house or I had a pair of shoes on. This was a few weeks ago. Uh, took them off in one of, one of the places where I tend to drop my shoes in the house. And I put the shoes on all oh, three or four days later, that particular pair of shoes. And it's just as soon as I put them on, there was just a, a crumbled mess of mud right there. Not mud, but, but dirt had been mud stuck to the bottom of my shoe. You know, in our personal lives, sometimes we still track mud into our lives. We do. What did I do? I went into the, the closet and got out the broom and got out the, the, uh, the dustpan and I cleaned up my mess. Didn't just leave it there. I cleaned it up. And that's what we do spiritually. We recognize, oh, I track mud into my life. So, and we look around and go, oh man, what a mess I made. What do you, you confess it and Jesus cleanses it. He's the one that, we, we 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 point it out, we bring it to him, and he's the one that gets out the spiritual dustpan and the spiritual broom and sweeps up our life and makes us clean again. Our part is to confess and to acknowledge. His part is to do. Well, the text. Let's get into the text. Luke 5 says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and... Uh, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now, here's the interesting thing. You can walk from the house of um, Peter's mother-in-law over to the Lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, and it's like, I don't know, 100 yards maybe, maybe 200. It's not very far at all. Uh to get over there and and around Capernaum, people had heard other places around uh, the Sea of Galilee, other towns that that surrounded the Sea of Galilee where Jesus had been. People heard about the miracles. People heard about what he did. And it says, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen. Well, guess who were fishermen? who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, uh, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, by this point, according to the text, Peter's already following Jesus. And there's something for us to learn here about about how we continue to grow. I mean, he, he'd already encountered Jesus, healing of of his mother-in-law, and you know, I, I do think for those who uh, are to speak disparagingly of the chosen, I, I do think it gets to the humanity and the exchange between God and man uh, in the chosen. I personally like the series. Uh, there are people who wonder about the authenticity or the timing or things out of order, yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I think 
Peter has seen Jesus do some things. I think Peter is kind of encouraging people about Jesus, but maybe not quite fully convinced yet himself. I mean, we, we kind of go like, oh, Peter's, you know, you read Luke chapter 4, like Peter's all in. Well, no, Peter's still observing. And friends, we're going to have people who are still observing. They're still kind of looking and going, hmm, what, what is this all about? Uh, and uh, that's kind of where Peter is. And so in in the story here, he gets into the Peter, and he put out into the deep, and Simon asked, uh, when he put out of the deep, he said, let down your nets. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night. We've caught, you haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And, and I mean, he's convinced that he should listen to Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, and so he, he says, I will let down the nets to Peter. Yet Peter's going, look, I'm a fisherman. This this is my livelihood. I was brought up to be a fisherman. Oy vey, you know, uh, we didn't catch anything. And, and you think telling us now to put down our nets, we're going to catch something. But yet he said, because you say so. And is that so in our lives that because the Lord says so that we say, uh-huh, okay, Lord. That the Lord instructs us to do something and we follow after his instruction. That should be the way that it is for us. Even though it might not make sense. Even though we might think our life experience tells us something different. So it says in verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled the other their partners, uh, other fishermen, uh, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that the boats began to sink. I mean, you know, the buoyancy of a boat and, and the boats beginning to sink. And it says this, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. What an absolutely amazing account here. Jesus did something to convince them. Sometimes we need convincing, and so uh, in, in this instance, he convinced them by the catch of fish. Now, they had probably never in their lives caught a, a catch of fish like that, and yet Jesus, being God or the Father, uh, doing this, saying, okay, fishies, come to this particular spot. And, and so uh, supernaturally, the, the fishies are brought to this one spot, and, and Simon, Peter, and uh, his brother and James and John, uh, perhaps Zebedee is there, and they had this incredible catch of fish. Peter needed convincing. Sometimes we need convincing in our lives to follow after Jesus. I, I don't need any further convincing to follow after Jesus. I hope you don't need any further convincing to follow after Jesus. And if you do, at the end of our broadcast, we will pray that God gives you what you need to be a follower of Jesus. But when we get into Luke 10, uh, I'm sorry, Luke 5, 10, two things. Don't be afraid is one part. 
The second part is from now on, you will catch men. Uh, and I'm going to land on verses 10, 11. I mean, the idea of catching men, the idea. Now, he didn't call everyone. Jesus didn't call everyone to be an evangelist. No. Uh, but he called these guys to be evangelists. And yet, in certain measure, uh, all of us have responsibility to um, to catch men. All of us have a responsibility to point people to Jesus. I mean, if your life isn't pointing people to Jesus, change your life. Uh, if if the habits of your life publicly, the words of your life, the reputation of your life is moving people away from Jesus, repent, change your life. Let your life be a light that points people to Jesus. Yes, there are some people, myself would be included among this group who are have a greater responsibility for seeing that people are caught for Christ. And yet, in some measure, all of us are a part of that formula. You're a part of that formula in uh, in, in the ways that you support me. And, uh, uh, and some of you are those regular supporters, and I want to just acknowledge and thank you uh, for that monthly support that you're giving via concentric, or you've helped other people do that, um, it's critical that, that I begin to to build up that support I, over the next year. That I really need to be in a place where where I have raised the full amount, uh, and uh, so that we can help people be more effective at uh, catching men for Christ. Last night, let me just share this. And I'll come back to the text. Last night, uh, I met with one of our classes. In fact, the last two nights in a row, I've met with classes. Uh, and I am so thrilled. I mean, we have students from uh, Michigan. We have students from uh, Connecticut. We have students from around the state of Maine. Uh, we have students from Rhode Island. Uh, we have students last night. We have a student from Brazil, South America. And what are they doing? They're, they're learning how to study the Bible. They're learning how to communicate Christ to other people. One of them, in fact, the one from Michigan, uh, is preparing for ministry in China. And so, you know, that is the role I have in, in that broader role in that way of assuring that we're equipping people for ministry in that way. And, and you're a part of that. Uh, you say, now, wait, aren't you? Supported by a college, yes, I'm supported by a college, but but that's going to diminish uh, because my global role will increase, and uh, I'll hire other people to take on other things that that I do at a at a collegiate level, um, so we can continue to expand what we're doing. You, my friends, my regular listeners, you prayer warriors, you are such a part, and I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, back in the text reading again, don't be afraid from now on you'll catch men. Two things I want to tell us, don't encourage us to not be afraid. Uh, the, Paul asked people to pray for him that uh, he would have boldness to share Christ as he ought. So sometimes you're spiritual chicken. Hey, you're in good company. Paul said pray that he would have boldness, that he would be able to share Christ as he needed to share Christ. And so uh, I encourage you also. Uh, to pray, uh, and and what if each of us, that are especially those that are part of this regular uh, morning crowd, 
regularly prayed for each other. Hey, who are you praying for right now? Who's who's in your pipeline that you're reaching out to? Who's in your network of relationships that you know you're cultivating, you're planting, and you're reaping with? What if we were praying for each other? And what if we were praying for name uh, by name for those people? How much more could happen? So let's pray for each other. Let's pray for each other to have a gospel impact uh, upon people around us. He said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Verse 11, so they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. Now, there, I think there are a couple different types of leaving that we do. Some of us will be called, I left the farm. I left the dairy. That's what I left. Uh, I, I left the dairy to follow Christ. And uh, that's what I walked away from. I had a farm that would have been mine. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of 250 head of Holstein cattle. And uh, dad was willing to buy a brand new tractor if I would have stayed. I'll tell you, that's, that's, that's a temptation. And I got to drive those, test drive those new tractors. Oh, buy a new tractor. You stay in the farm. We need a new tractor. No, let's not buy a new tractor because I'm not staying. And that's, that's kind of how it went. And so he didn't. And it was a heartache for my parents. And I understand that. But sometimes some of us are called to leave everything and follow him. Some, some of the everything that we're called to leave maybe is the everything of sinfulness or our ways of thinking. To be surrendered to him. God may leave you in your line of work, but yet in the midst of your line of, in your line of work to ask you to maybe do it differently, to ask you to be surrendered to him, to, you know, to look to him in your decision making in, in, uh, in your business. God, what do you want with my business? God, how do you want me to speak to, to this patient, to this client? What do you want me to do? Um, so in that sense, maybe we leave everything, or we leave our sinfulness. But are we willing? Are we willing to say, okay, Lord, I'll leave it all behind to follow you. If you tell me to go, I'll go. Uh, that is that is a great feeling in the moment in a church service. That is the great feeling in the moment uh, during particular songs. And I don't have a particular song in mind, but sometimes songs, and you know, we're moved. And, but yet, are we willing to to pack it all up and, and do what Jesus asked us to do? I hope so. I, I hope that that is the, the direction of your life. I hope that's the tenor of your life to, to do what the Lord asks you to do. And hmm, I'm trying to remember where this is. There's the button. Okay. I haven't had this on for a while. You know, this is something God's calling me to do. And uh, I have an address on there that you can be a part of if you're not. And the Lord moves you to do so concentricglobal.org backslash give uh, is a way that you enable me. I'm going to be down in Atlanta here in a few weeks. Uh, I could have been this week in uh, Bangkok. In fact, probably should have been in Bangkok, uh, but it it takes funding to do all those things and to go places. And uh, uh, so, I just ask you if, if the Lord leads you, uh, that you'd be a part of that team. And for those who already are, I, I acknowledge you. You know who you are. Since the brainwave coming for me saying thank you. And uh, I, I do thank you. But for you, for me, I mean, what does Jesus need to do to convince us? Has he already convinced you? Uh, have you gone back to your boats? Uh, and when he, in fact, is calling you to follow after him. 
Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to go the places that you want us to go. Uh, some will be called perhaps out of what they've been doing. Uh, others will be called to stay in what they're doing, but yet to, to change up something in their life. Lord, help us to, to follow you as you lead us. Help us to be used by you for the honor and glory of your name. Help us to be used by you to catch men for God. Use us as your instruments, we pray. In the name of Jesus, hear our prayer. Amen. See you tomorrow.